Thank God I'm here. Amen? Amen. So God is really good. I'm excited about the missions trip to New Mexico. As I told my sweetheart as we left this morning, I said, I'm prepared and I'm looking forward to sharing everything. B would be with me today, but due to her chemotherapy and radiations, they're doing a lot of extensive testing on B right now. And tomorrow she has a three-hour test. We'll be there anywhere from four to five hours. They want her to be refreshed and whatever. So part of my job is taking care of my sweetheart. And by the way, we also want to pray for Sister Aileen this morning. She's had a, an episode with her heart also. And so we want to lift her up and just pray for her that everything will be perfectly all right. I have never studied a word in my life in the New Testament that has so changed my life. And it's, simple, it's a simple word. It's the word good. And it comes from the Greek word K-A-L-O-S. Kalos. As I began to study this word, I found out it is one of the richest golden nuggets I have ever found in my life. And I believe part of Pastor Mike's job and my job is to be able to share golden nuggets from God's Word. And I pray this morning as God takes His Word, He will speak to us that something that maybe we are lacking, that God will do deep within our hearts. And that there will be an attractiveness about us. There will be a goodness about us. There will be something that is beautiful about us. Something so deep within that when the lost look at us, they'll say this. I don't know what it is they got. But I can tell you one thing. I like it. And I want to know the secret of what makes that person different. What is within them that emanates? I remember back in the late 70's missionaries came from Africa. Tom and Frank Courtney. And I remember the first time meeting them, and I was a young preacher back then. They had something that I didn't have. But I knew this, it was attractive. I knew it was good. And I knew it was Christ-like. It emanated from their being as if a light was shining forth from them. And I got along with God. I said, God, I want to know the secret of what's going on in their life that makes them emanate like Jesus, that you want to be around them. You know, there's some folks that you're around after you spend an hour's conversation with them, it seems like a minute. Then there's other people you've been around them for a minute and it seems like an hour. I want to be the person that when you're around me for an hour, it has seemed like a minute. I want to be around you in such that people can say, I see Jesus in that man. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning. We're going to let the Word speak for itself. All of you Bible students... And all of you Bible teachers, listen to this. The Bible, the Word of God, is a line. All you've got to do is release it. It'll do its work. Amen. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 is our first passage that we'll look at. Matthew 5, 16. And we'll see this word that comes out. You see, kalos is a word in the New Testament describes a characteristic quality of the Christian life. It's one of the most beautiful words in the Greek language. It is used over 100 times in the New Testament. It's a rich word. Look at it, Matthew 5, 16. Is this not interesting? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your kalos, your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Turn to Hebrews 10, 24, for this is a challenging verse. In Hebrews 10, 24, and we'll wait till I hear those Indian pages turn. I always, I used to be when I was early, young in my ministry, I would 
just flipped the verses and nobody could find them. Well, more important than Larry speaking is God's Word speaking. And I'd like for you to look what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Do we have it? It says, And let us consider one another to provoke. That word provokes means that I am to stimulate, and you as a believer, you are to stimulate into others love and good works. So there's something about me and there's something about you that God has told us that when I'm around you and you're around me, that I'm to stimulate, that I'm to, to, to be able to stir up within you good works. So in Matthew 5, 16, that the world may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, as we look into this beautiful Word as we go through the New Testament, may You speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, to put such a desire within us. Father, as a bee is attracted to honey, and as a moth to a flame, may, Father, our lives attract others like that. May the life of Jesus so emanate from us, and Lord, as men and women who have become prosperoses or elders in the faith, that we can provoke others unto these good works. As Brother Durrell just sang, we are leaving. Let us pass the torch. Let us do it well. Let us provoke. Let us stimulate that there's attractiveness about the God that we serve and that the world will come to know Him and love Him as they look into our lives and to the Word of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. The word kalos is not unique to the New Testament. Wherever that word is found, there's the idea of loveliness. There's the idea of being attractive, graciousness. And it's that which delights the heart and gives pleasure to the eye. Not only does chaos have the idea of beauty, but listen to this. It also means as a believer, I am useful as well in the family of God. The Greeks spoke of it like this. Kalos Kronos. All of you that have watches, you know what a Kronos is. Kalos Kronos, a good time. And we come to church today when God's met with us. You know what we say when we get in the car? Man, we've had a Kalos, a Kalos Kronos. What in the world does that mean? A good time in the house of God. For example, Plato used a word that speaks about the conduct of a boy that which was credited in Athens. And we say this today, a people who are in political office, that man is doing or woman is doing a good work. For example, Abraham Lincoln came at a good time. He did a, was a good man and he was good for America. In the creation story in Genesis 1-8, I love this. When God looked upon the world in which He had made, He saw that it was kalos. It was good. What did that mean word? It was beautiful. It was pleasing to the eye. It was attractive. It was meaningful. And then God says, it was very good. I think we can all agree that this world not only satisfies the conscience, but it gives delight to the heart. When we say, that's a good kid, we're not just talking about his morals or her morals. We're talking about the very inter-being of that person. 
what they really are, their character, their inner beauty, deep down within. The New Testament, Kalos describes things that are used for all purposes of life. Listen to these. When they had taken the stones and built the temple, according to Luke 15, listen to what it says. The stones were good. It describes the fruit when Jesus speaks about the fruit tree bearing fruit. In Matthew 3.10, He says, And it was good fruit. In Mark 8, in Luke 8, and in Matthew chapter 13, it speaks of the good ground which brought it forth. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be stony ground. I don't want to be thorn ground. I want to be able when the Word of God, that which is good, planted in me, finds good ground and will bring forth many fold. Did you also know that according to Matthew 13, 27, 37, 38, it describes the seed, the Word of God, as being good. Nothing wrong with the Word. It was the ground that it was planted in. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 50, it is said, salt is kalos. Salt is good. I like what the little boy says, how he explains salt. He says, what is salt? That stuff left out of potatoes that make it no good. In John chapter 2 and verse 20, Jesus took the water and He turned it into wine and it was called kalos wine, good wine. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, give, it says, talking about giving as you give, men will give back to you, listen to this, good kalos measure. Romans 7, 16, 1 Timothy 3, 8, it speaks about the law as being good. It says that the name of, this is my favorite one, in James 2, 7, listen to this, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord is good. Don't Ever be ashamed to pray in the name of Jesus. I was asking Carteret County when we had a memorial service and to lead in the prayer, and they wanted me to leave the name of Jesus off. I said, if I leave the name of Jesus off, I'm not praying. The name of Jesus, according to James 2.7, is good. The Word of God in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14 is called good kalos. Now, we get the preliminary out of the way, and J. Vernon McGee, which all of you know a little bit about him, says, now this is where the rubber is going to hit the road. One of the most interesting and significant uses of the word kalos, or good, is repeated consistently over and over again as it describes the good deeds which should characterize Christians. It's not uninteresting. As it begins to speak about us, what kind of deeds do we have? I want to just give you a little note in case you all haven't for, you have forgotten it. Everybody in this building is going to die unless Jesus comes. Everybody in this building is going to stand before God and give an account of your works. Not of your sins. They were paid for on the cross of Calvary. But that which we have done, how we have used our talents, how we have used our abilities, have we done it good for the glory of God, stimulating others to do good for the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 that we are to, uh, before men, let our light shine. Why? So that they may see your good works. The Corinthians, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 says, 
They are to do that which is kalos, or that which is good. The Galatians in 6.9 says, Grow not in doing what is good. In Thessalonians, it says we must test all good works to hold that which is good. Is it not interesting? And I've thought about this as I looked over and over again. The Bible uses this term 100 times in the New Testament. God must be saying something to us about our character. He must be saying something to us about the inner person that comes from us. My father-in-law was not a good man. He was a bitter man. Maybe the most bitter man person I've ever met in my life. And I remember a few years before he died, my mother-in-law looked at him and said this, you know how your grandchildren are going to remember you? As a bitter old man. I determined that day, by the grace of God, and by the life that is in me, I don't want my grandkids to say that about me. If they will say that Gong Gong, is what they call me, loves God, and loves Grandma, and loves us, and was a good man, that's all needs to be said at my funeral. The Christian must be example and zealous of good works, according to Titus 2.7. A Christian must be anxious to produce good works, according to Titus 3, verse 8. The Christian must stimulate or excite one another to do good works. I feel it's part of my job as a believer, part of my job now as an older man in the Word of God, to find young people and to stimulate them and to encourage them unto good works in Jesus Christ. The world has enough negative to say, let's find some good, let's encourage them, let's help them to do good things for the glory of God. The Christian, according to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 18, must have a kalos sunadesis. What in the world is that? I'm glad you asked. A good conscience. Can you lay your head at night on the pillow before your maker and say, my conscience is clear? Did you know that 95% of the world cannot say that? A clear conscience, and the Bible says as a believer, we are to have a good conscience before God, and listen to this, and before all men. Christ is not, it, clearly it's not enough that the Christian life should be good, but it should be attractive. Christian goodness must have a certain loveliness on it. Real Christianity always attracts, it never repels. We as Christians must never forget the beauty of holiness. Wow, we don't hear a lot about that today. We should never forget about the beauty of holiness. It's attractive, it's good, it's lovely, it's quiet, it's meek, and it shines. The best advocate of Christianity to the unsaved is the sheer attractiveness of loveliness in the life of a true believer. You see, the world can deny Lively Stones Baptist Church. And Pastor Mike, they'll deny this book. But boy, when they see an old reprobate out here, somebody's life has been changed, all of a sudden, what octagon soap couldn't do when your mama tried to wash your mouth out when you used them ugly words, all of a sudden your taste has changed, you no longer lend the ugly, ugly bottle, 
but now I'm drinking water instead and coming to the house of God, praising God instead of cursing blue flames out of your mouth. All of a sudden, they see something about you they have never seen before. And they said, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. How in the world did this ever happen? Because I want to tell you, my friend, it is the fact that there's something that's changed within your life that only can be explained by God Himself. It's called the new birth. Give you something exciting. You know, when a seed of corn or wheat has all the life principle locked up in it, all it's got to be is planted and watered and the warmth, and that life principle comes forth. Did you know that the moment of your conversion, the Holy Spirit of God live within, lives within you, and that life principle of Jesus Christ, that new life, that goodness, that chaos is within you? Let it have good ground. Let it have good ground. And the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. That means that we are going to stand before God as, as we have taken and ramshacked this word to learn the secret because the thing that changes me and you is the word of God. People will say, I want to know what's the secret of your life. Man, I don't know what it is, but i tell you one thing. I like what I see. I want it, and I want to be like that. The pastoral epistles insist that church officers must have a good report from those that are outside of the church, according to 1 Timothy 3.7. James 3.13 urges men are to live a life which proves and demonstrates their faith. 1 Peter 2.2 2 urges that converts make their way of life chaos or good among the Gentiles. William Barnclay said this, the New Testament holds the best missionary weapon which the church possesses is the truly Christian life. That's it. Your life is the best weapon that the church of Jesus Christ has. Isn't that awesome? I, I'm almost shaking my, man, my boots when I think about that. The very weapon that God uses is His Word through you. Out of 100 appearances of the word good or chaos in the New Testament, 24 of those are found in the pastoral epistles in three little books. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus. Paul wrote his letters to Timothy and Titus at a very critical time in church history. Listen to this. The church was a little island of Christianity surrounded by paganisms. There were no other believers. They were it. And they were written at a very demanding and most difficult time. Therefore, every action and every person in a church had to be coloss. Everybody. This is the infancy. What made you different than the world? First of all, got your Bibles? Let's turn over to 1 Timothy. So let's, let's just look at the Word a little bit. When Pastor Mike ordains deacons or preachers, they always use 1 Timothy chapter 3, which is so fitting. If any man desires the office of an episcope, which literally is a bishop, it's different than the word a prusbeteros, means elders. Now we're talking about somebody wants to be a pastor, somebody wants to be a shepherd. And you know what God says about it? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I like that. 
The officers of the church do not serve because they've been conscripted. Or somebody twisted the arm and you know what? Yeah, we, we, we really need you. And, and they just put pressure on you. That's not the way it works. You're not pressured into service. You are called into service. God has given you a burden in the service. God has given you something that the world can't give. Church leaders must make it clear that service to Christ is a thrilling thing, even when it is difficult. Meeting with my brothers, and we come from a family like Don. Don came from eight, I came from ten. Eight boys and two girls. And I'm so far down the pecking order, you don't even count anymore. And here I am, I'm the first one to turn gray. And my oldest brother said, why are you so gray? I said, have you ever pastored a Baptist church? But you know what? I can look at this man and tell he loves what God's called him to do. There's a sweetness about Pastor Kent that can't be explained other than God. And you know what? It's not always been easy. Because not only he fights Satan, he fights the world, he fights the flesh. But you know what? Even through those difficult times, it's still exciting. When a soul gets saved, and somebody is growing. Isn't it a marvelous thing? Secondly, the Christian must be a, a good soldier, and he is to fight the good campaign. Look at chapter 1 and verse 8. It says this. Uh, let me look back where I'm at again. Uh, ch- chapter, uh, ch- chapter 6, verse 12. I'll get my verses correct here. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Isn't that interesting? It says that when we serve, whether it's a Sunday school, whether it's in the choir, whether it's singing, whatever you may be, serve with a smile. And remember this, go the extra mile. It's not enough to serve Christ out efficiency. There must be a charm and loveliness and a goodness that accompanies what we do. Oh man, look what I did this week. I'm so busy, I don't have time for that. It's not about efficiency. It's about that loveliness and that charm and that goodness is in our life. I don't care how much I accomplish at my desk. That means nothing if love's not in it and charm's not in it. Look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. The Christian teaching must be good. Look at verse 4, 6. If thou put in remembrance of the things that thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine. Robert Louis Stevenson said, I went to church today and was not depressed. Coe's Chapel said, No man has a right as to preach, as to send his hearers away on flat towers. A discouraged sermon is a wicked sermon. A discouraged man is not an asset, but a liability. I like to come to church and leave, whether it's me preaching to someone else, and B and I will look at each other and say, Man, we have been to church today. Amen. There's something that God does in our midst, and we cooperate worship together. He doesn't do any other time. According to 1 Timothy 6, 12, and 13, the Christian witness must profession a good witness of Jesus Christ. A man can witness in such a way as to attract his hearers. 
A man can witness as a such way to repel follow man. Never with arrogance. Never with conceit. Never with as an attitude, I know it more than you. One additional thought. The duties of the minister of the gospel is to be stewards of the grace of God. I tremble when I think of this. When I think of a steward, is someone who has been appointed over the affairs that belongs to another. And Pastor Mike and myself and the deacons of this church and the leaders of this church, we have been given as the stewards of the grace of God, meaning we are to watch over and we are to give out the true Word of God. That's why you are to study. That's why you are to know. We will give for He and I who are teachers and you that are teaching will stand before God and give a greater account than those who are not teachers. There are preachers who preach sometimes with such threats and denunciation. As we sit and listen to them, we think they hate us. No preacher will ever win men to Christ unless he first makes it clear that he loves them. I don't want to tell you something about that. You know when people love you, and you know when they just say it and they don't. Amen? I can tell my wife I love her all day, but if I don't treat her like I love her, then all those words are just like a knife that cuts in her soul. The little things that nobody knows, the things that are behind the scene, the things that you do, you do those things because not out of compelling, you do it out of love. Oh, may God work in our hearts that we be of good works and that our lives would emanate and draw others like a moth to a flame, like a bee to honey. And they will say, there's something about you. I don't know it, but I want to know the secret of it. I have chosen to conclude with two stories from the New Testament that best illustrate this word. It is most one of the most lovely stories in the New Testament. When Jesus was at the house of Simon, the leper, and this woman in those days, when people would come to your house, when you would invite someone, people would come in. That was customary. They would stand around the walls and they would watch. Jesus now is in the house and here comes a lady up behind him with an alabaster box, a very costly anointment. In fact, my good brother who used the New American Standard over here, it says it's a year's wages. And she took that which was expensive and she poured it upon his feet. She anointed him. And then all of those spectators around went, oh, did you see what she did? Did you see that expensive woman? She wasted it. Her extravagance. Jesus looked at them and says, wherever the gospel is preached, it will be known she hath done a good work. It was a demonstration of her love. It was an act of love that we knew that only the best was good enough. It was an act of love which refused to count the cost. It was an act of love which set beauty far above utility. It was an act of love that giving can never be dictated by the cautiousness of common sense. A deed in which chaos or good indeed is enshrined in the beauty of extravagance. It's never too expensive to do your best for God. I've wept often as I read this story. 
Venisecond is found in the New Testament. The meaning of kalos is a word which Jesus uses the title that is so precious to almost every one of us here. And you already know what it is in John chapter 10. The good shepherd. The kalos shepherd. The good shepherd does not look out his, after his sheep of cold efficiency. He's not hired from 8 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. He just does it, so I'll do this because I have to do it. But I'll tell you one thing. When 5 o'clock rolls around, these crazy sheep, they can go their own way. He looks after them with sacrificial love. When a sheep is in trouble, he does not nicely cal- calculate the risks of uh, helping them. He gives his life for the sheep. He does not give X number of hours of service per day. All through the day, he watches over them. All through the night, he lies across the opening of the sheepfold so that he literally becomes the door that no one, that no thing can get to his sheep until they come through the Good Shepherd. The Good Kalos Shepherd is a shepherd whose service is lovely. It's a heroic thing. It's not service out of pay. It is service that is rendered out of the Word. May I say, there is no words or words in the English language can ever fully translate to the Greek word meaning kalos. Just can't do it. It can't gather up all of the beauty. It can't gather up all the winsome. It can't gather up all the attractiveness. It can't gather up all the utilityness. It can't gather up all the generosity. All that is included into this one word. Oh, what a beautiful word. I have looked and examined my life. And I said, dear God, I know that my, most of my years are gone. But may there be good. Chaos in me. That some who see me is, wants to know the mystery of what makes Larry different. May I today provoke you and stimulate you and encourage you and incite you to have something within you that can't be explained by human terms, can only explain as God doing a good work in you. Because Jesus says that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? When I first met Tom and Fran, they had been through so much, so much suffering in Botswana, she had been raped by the natives. He had been put in prison camp and beaten to the point where he could barely walk. And yet when I met this couple, there was no bitterness. And there was something in their life that I have never seen in two people before. And I want to know the secret. And every time he came into town, I knew exactly where that little house where they lived. I'd be on his doorstep. I was picking his brain, and I'm wanting to know the secret of what made you different because I wanted it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may our lives so attract people for the cause of Jesus Christ and that Lord that there are good works and a good conscience 
and a good life would testify to the fact, as Brother Durrell just sang, we want to hear those words, well done, thou good, Kalos, and faithful servant. May you have stimulated us today to do an inward look into our very souls. And Father, to ask this question, am I provoking others to good works? Is that attractiveness and beauty of Christ and that moral character, is it coming out from us? It's there. It needs the ground. And Father, since the good word is planted to good ground, it brings forth good fruit. That which, Father, that will bring others to you. May we examine our hearts today in the light of the Word of God. And Lord, it's not a time to look down on others. It's a time to look inward on us. Saying, oh Father, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be attractive. I want to be kind. And Father, I want to have that fortitude that Jesus just comes freely out through us. For the world may deny the book. They may deny this building. But they can't deny what you've done in our lives. Oh, may the sweetness of Jesus emanate from us today. If there's anyone here that has never placed saving faith and repentance, that Lord, they would ask for forgiveness and trust in Jesus Christ only for their salvation and forgiveness of sin as you then quicken their life, make it alive, and you put that live, good seed down within their hearts that it is watered and planted. It will bring forth good works. In the name of Jesus, amen.